Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Holtcast. Cole Petum here as always. And today I am joined by Seb and Danny for our season preview for Aston Villa 21-2022 season. Very much looking forward to it. So I'll go to Seb first. How's it going? Yeah, I'm good. I think now that we're in the business end of preseason and you can see that first game of the season sort of drifting towards you, it gets me more and more excited. I've said it many times before. I can't wait to be back and I just can't wait for the season to be started again now. Yeah, absolutely. Danny, how's it going for you, sir? Yeah, man, it's going great. It's going great, I think. Uh, Look, I think we've all kind of finally gotten to a point where we're allowed to just think about Villa and just think about Villa's season. Thank God. Um, And I think there's been some positive news today as of recording. And uh, I'm sure there's going to be more positive news to come. So as it stands, very, very excited for the season. Glad to be watching some football again. Watch the Community Shield. Watch a little bit of Championship. Um, of course, like Sheffield United, for example, just going straight down and losing to Blues first game, which you know kind of tells you that it might be an exciting season down there as well. I just think we're going to have a massive shakeup this year. Last year was a little bit of a weird one because of COVID. I don't think we saw the full potential of a lot of teams. I think we saw a lot of teams get rolled over. This year, we might see a lot of surprises. Yeah, 100%. I think with fans coming back into stadiums, and hopefully that's here to stay, Let's, let's put that out there for sure, because um, you never know with this uh, good old COVID. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's going to kind of bring a lot of issues to light for a lot of football clubs, not even just in the Premier League, but for football in general. Um, maybe you look at Leeds or whoever and think, you know what, will we have the same season with fans and with that added pressure? So, you know, it's a welcome atmosphere that's back. It just felt so weird having no one in the stands to celebrate goals and just hearing commentators almost like the lone person to celebrate those goals. So good to have everything back to some kind of normality. But anyways, let's dive into this. Of course, it's been a a crazy summer for Villa. Um, The Jack Grealish sweepstakes are done. Thank God Um, that is in our past. Now we move forward. Some exciting signings nonetheless. And you know what? I'm even more excited now when I look at who we've added and just to have football back in general. So Seb, I'll come to you first with all the transfer business we've done so far. What have you made of it all? And uh, how do you feel about it going forward? Yeah, look, I mean, it's 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 not been a quiet transfer window, let's put it that way. Um, I think now that obviously the main talking point has departed, it allows us to look towards the future. And I'm not going to get into that anymore because I think we've covered that to death now. But looking at the incomings coming in, I think we'll get a big taste of how they perform in the last preseason friendly, which is obviously at the time of recording. So we don't know what's going to happen yet. And there's potentially more incomings to come because the window doesn't shut for another four weeks. I think knowing Villa, we'd like to ideally get our big business done before the season kicks off at Watford next week. 
However, you never know with transfer dealings, they can roll on and clubs can disagree on certain things and agents can disagree. So these things can take their time. But I don't think we're finished in the transfer market yet. But if you look at what we have brought in as a whole already, then I think it's a very exciting one. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's one of those where, I mean, you lose such a big player, but at the same time, we're adding so much depth and quality that, to be honest, I don't think I've ever seen this kind of quality and you hope it all works out. Um, I think that's the one thing we all have to look at. But Danny, you yourself, how are you feeling about all this transfer business? And I guess we'll kind of discuss it now. Um, he scores with his head and with his feet. Everybody dances to the two and Zebby beat. How does it feel to have him back? You know, I didn't actually know about that, Chen. Did you not? No, I think it must have been that I probably wasn't watching much championship football. I probably wasn't <laughs> going to see Villa because I was in a massive strop about them throughout all that time. That's criminal. Uh, it's not. It's not. I was living in Manchester. and then No, like, no, but you you've know, got to know the chant, right? No, I didn't. I, I, In general, in general, I avoid football chants. I think they're cringe. I think they're terrible most of the time. I'll be completely honest with you. There's nothing more cringe to me than seeing like a massive room of like drunk men just like chanting and singing a song <laughs> out of tune. But oh, it's good to have Ton CB back. It's good to it's good to start with that. And you know, for the record, we're we're recording this 2 p.m. on um sa- Sunday. Yeah, 2 p.m. on Sunday. Ton ZB has just been announced as a new signing on loan. He's already on the bench for the friendly game. So uh they're just putting him straight into it. Yeah, no, honestly, go 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 check the lineup call. He's he's already in the team, which is which is just funny. No, I've uh, got to I, back Danny up. He is on the bench. I think I think it's perfect. I think he's perfect to cover for Konza. I think if Konza goes out injured, Twanzibi jumps straight in. I think likewise if Mings gets Mings gets injured, Hawes kind of like jumps straight in. And finally, you know, this is a this is four centre backs that are going to work for us. And he works so much better in this team than than Engels done. He's better with his feet. Um, you know, he can play right back. He's a little bit more versatile, a little bit faster. I think quicker on his feet. I think it's exactly what we want. Somebody who's, I know we talk about, you know, wanting to be strong in the air and strong from set pieces really, but, but really when you look at Villa's defense and the reason why they work well, it's because, you know, generally they're very good with, um, with dealing with the ball on the ground and, and dealing with blocks and stuff. So I think United fans are obviously quite excited for him. Uh, I really do hope that there's a option to buy at, this, at the end of the year, but uh, even if there isn't, he's a very good stop back, stop gap until you know the likes of um, of the Reverend Brothers and um, and Mungo Bridge perhaps are ready to to step in. Yeah, massively, and of course, I guess the next thing we can jump onto if you look at the bench today, and if I can actually use my eyes because I have very poor eyesight, the older I get, I find. Um, you look at the subs, um, Sinisalo. Um, then you look at what Jacob Ramsey, Chuck Wameka, and of course, uh, Philogene Bidas is playing as well today. There's a lot of youth there. We're very excited about who we have coming in, definitely from the youth ranks as well. So, Seb, if you can speak about that for a moment, because we've kind of went from, in my mind, when I look at the football club, I'd say we're probably in our phase three. The first one was getting promoted ahead of schedule. The second one was staying up and kind of, certifying ourselves as a Premier League side. And now we're kind of pushing on to that stage where we say, you know what, mid-table's not good enough. But at the same time, we have the team here for the now and for the future. So what do you think about all that? Yeah, look, I think you mentioned the youth players. We've had quite a few youth outgoings. Obviously, Kane Kessler-Hayden ran the show for Swindon yesterday, winning a penalty. 
and keeping it very tight and compact at the back. I think he looked more than comfortable at that level. We're yet to see Barry play for Ipswich, but that will be an exciting one when it comes. I think Ipswich are heavy favourites to go up. So he's he's not going to be shy of chances in that league. But I think our most exciting youngster is actually starting for Villa today, and that's Villa Jean Bidas. I think I watched him at Bristol, and to be honest, he blew me away. He looked so comfortable on the ball and off the ball, his movement, he looked composed. And it's often a term we used to describe how Jack played, but he he looked as though he was playing football down the local park with no pressure on him. And he looked as though he was enjoying himself. So I think he'll have a big part to play this season. You mentioned the bench. I think one interesting departure from the bench, who I don't think we've seen play any minutes at all, if I'm mistaken, is... Freddie Gilbert, obviously, I think we all expected him to be back up right back this season. But for some reason, unless he's just not fit enough, but I can't see that being the case, or Smith just doesn't trust him for whatever reason that may be, you know, you'd you'd put him on the bench, right? I think you'd have him involved in some pre-season games because you never know what can happen with injuries. I mean, Matty Cash is one of them players that is very unpredictable and doesn't shy away from a challenge. So injuries can happen in this league and we need competent backup in every single area, which I think we've got. I think I think Gilbert is a good enough right back at this level as cover, but to not see him even on the bench today when we've got two goalkeepers is, is a strange one for me. But touching on Twanzebe just quickly, I think Danny's right. I'd love him to have um, a buy clause for next season, but I haven't seen any mention of it. Look, he's he's played 19 Premier League games. So when you see it like that, you wouldn't really say he's too experienced at this level, but it's odd for a 23-year-old to be coming into his third season at your club. So in that way, you'd say he brings in a level of know-how that you wouldn't normally get from a new signing it's not like he'll need to get used to the facilities or get used to the way we play because he's worked under the manager he's worked under several of these players before so it shouldn't take too much adapting and we've got four Premier League quality centre-backs now who can all compete and can all perform at this level and have showed look Axel's performed at Europa League level and Champions League level and that's the level that we're aspiring to be at. So to bring in these young players who can push us on to that level, I don't know how much of a part he'll have to play this season, but if he can, you know, he's he's done, been there and done it with Man United. I remember watching him play against PSG and he absolutely pocketed Mbappe. Now he's not going to come up against Mbappe this season, but, you know, if that's, if that's a telltale sign, then we're in for a good player. Danny's right. He has pace on the ball. He has calmness. You know, the only problem is, is he's slightly injury prone. Last season, he missed 20 games with an ankle injury. The season before that, he missed 27 with a thigh injury and then a hip injury. So he can't seem to catch a break at the moment. But if we can keep him fit and ready, then he could have a big, big part to play in this season. Yeah, massively. And when you're kind of speaking about his experience, I was just looking it up. Um, statistically, according to Transfer Market um, online, saying he's played, what, 30 championship games, 19 Premier League games, uh, six Champions League, and six Europa League, and then, what, six EFL games, uh, EFL Cup games, I should say. Um, so there's there's a depth of experience all over the shop. And I, I think when you look at a player like him who hasn't really got 
that much first team experience really it's kind of an odd one almost that he's coming to us in a way and it almost opens up kind of a bigger topic maybe we can touch on here for a few minutes and I've heard a few people discuss this and I think it's another one with the additions we're making it just kind of opens us up tactically so you know what if we want to play a three at the back I think that it's more comfortable with him in it if we have to push cons and more out to the right he can slot in more to the middle um I think it's just another one of those signings where okay if we're playing our typical formation then that's great but if we want to try things new then that's great as well. And I think the other thing is if we want to get to that next level, if we want to get up the table, we have to be more tactically kind of adept and adapt, I guess I should really say. So I think that kind of adds to it all. But uh, anyways, let's get on to um, let's do some preseason predictions, I guess. Um, I wasn't really sure how we were going to do this, but uh, nonetheless, we'll just kind of read out what we have. Um, So I've kind of brought a bunch of questions to these guys also have Simon and Tom's on hand as well. So we'll look at a few of these. I think there's about six or seven questions and we'll just kind of run through them. Um, We'll read them out. Now, if you want to kind of join along at home, feel free to write them down, maybe stick them away or write them on your laptop or whatever. And we can review them at the end of the season and look how foolish we truly are and how much we literally know nothing. Um, It's always great to make predictions and either have none right or that one correct that you can really hang your hat on but nonetheless uh let's get over to those and i really should have had those open how professional of me but anyways um let's start with top goal scorer this season for aston villa so seb i'll come to you first it's a really funny one actually because you look across the league and i don't i can't really see one player that's nailed on i mean the usuals like kane and that you know, Kane's obviously suffered speculation all year, so we don't know how he's going to perform away from Villa. Um, you know, you've all these other players. Salah, we don't know how Liverpool's going to perform. Villa have now got two Premier League competent strikers in Ings and Watkins. So I think the obvious answer will be one between those two. I think I'm more inclined to say Ings because I think we'll see Watkins drifted out to the left at times this season whereas I can't see Ings being moved from that central striker spot. So for me, it's got to be Danny Ings. Fair enough. Danny, how about you? Yeah, funnily enough, um, I actually agree with Seb. It's not about Watkins being a worse striker than Ings. I think when it comes to penalties, you know, you're probably going to see Ings take them. Um, I think when it comes to like, if the two of them are playing, they're kind of, as he, as Seb says again, I think you're, you're going to see sort of Ings make himself more available in those tapping positions. Uh, I think as well, the other thing with Watkins is we we probably want him to just play across that, you know, horizontally, just play across the pitch, you know, left, right, uh, forward. I think we're just going to have him running a lot. Um, and yeah, for me personally, it'll be Ings who's going to be the getting behind guy that that, uh, that finishes the opportunity. So for me, it's going to be Danny Ings. But, you know, you never know. Maybe Ings is that backup striker. And maybe it is that Watkins is going to start off front all season. Who knows? Um, I guess we're just still kind of waiting to see if um, if Bailey or when Bailey comes in, when he when he starts starting, and when when Dia is gonna, you know, where he's gonna play. It might be that that Triore starts every game as well, and then we only go with, we only go with one striker. But as it stands, sort of, I'm looking at the lineup at Salonitano as well, where we have got both Ings and Watkins starting. If that is the case uh, next week, then yeah, I'm going to go with Ings. Yeah, I mean, I think last year is kind of obvious who you'd expect to be 
the top goal scorer in this year. It's kind of up in the air. Um, Tom's is going with Watkins, or as he's calling them, uh, Watkins. Um, Danny Ings and him blend it together. Um, I feel like that joke's already been overdone. Simon's also going with Watkins. Um, I have to agree as well. I feel like he's going to be the focal point again. Um, I feel like he'll have a little bit better finishing, not hit as many posts and crossbars, which I felt like he was so unlucky. Um, yeah, let's see how many goals he has ruled for offside or VAR ridiculousness this year as well. So that should be interesting. Um, let's get to the next question. Most assists this season. Uh, Danny, I'll come back to you first. Right. Funnily enough, I think it's going to be Ollie Watkins. I think I think Ollie Watkins gets the most assists. I don't know why Seb's shaking his head here. I understand that we've got Buendia in and, and I understand that we've got Bailey in. But a lot of what I've seen in preseason is Watkins drifting out wide and setting up the guys around him. If we're going to play with the kind of attack that it looks like we are, where it might be that Ings is up front and we've got sort of, sorry, that we've got sort of Watkins up front and then you've got sort of Ings playing off him, maybe Buendia playing off him and Bailey. Maybe he's going to be the guy that kind of helps find those guys in those positions. When he drops back, perhaps he finds Bailey, you know, swiftly running in from the left. I can see Watkins really, really piling up the assists in a Bobby Firmino style, like, uh, role almost so you know with him pressing the defense winning the ball back and yeah we've already seen it he, he I can't remember how many assists he scored last season but uh, but he's, he's very capable of it and he's gonna have stronger finishes around him hopefully so uh, yeah I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Watkins the other the other thing with Watkins is actually when you think about it last season playing with Grealish sort of Grealish was never the sort of player that you're gonna see running behind and and take advantage necessarily of of, of Watkins dropping back you know, it was always the kind of player that's going to be a little bit deeper and sort of, you know, find his own way through. I think this year, with the likes of Bailey and with the likes of Ings, we're going to see players with a lot more intensity sort of running up from behind Ollie Watkins, and that should help a lot as well. And he's absolutely stitched me up then because I wasn't actually shaking my head at the fact that you picked Watkins. It was the fact that McGinn's just blazed a shot 30 yards over the bar, but oh well, never mind. Um yeah, look, I can completely see what you mean with Watkins. I think he'll have a much different role to play this year. I think he'll be more involved. And like he said, he won't always be the one running in behind. I think if him and Ings could strike a partnership like Ings and Shea Adams managed to last year very successfully, then we could be on to a winning formula here. But I think I am going to go for the obvious answer, this one of Emi Buendia. I can see him not only playing on the left and right, but I think also a diamond was mentioned with Emi Buendia at the forefront of that. So I think depending on whether we play two up front, I think I mentioned last podcast that Smith rarely plays two up front. I think we played 4-4-2 of the time last season, but I think he's more inclined to change it this year. So I think we will see that become a more frequent formation use. And I think Buendia will thrive off that. If preseason's anything to go by, then Buendia will slot in very comfortably. And having Ings and Watkins making those central runs in, I think will be an absolute dream for him. And I think he'll thrive off that. Yeah, massively. Um, going to Simon and Tom's answers, they're both going with Buendia. And I feel like it's just I'm copying them, but that's kind of what I was thinking as well. Um, I mean, 
it was only Walsall, so I can't really say too much about it. But nonetheless, um, he has the keys to unlock things, and I'm very excited to see how he links up with Danny Ings and Watkins. So it should be very promising. Um, let's go to the next question. Uh, surprise performer of the season, which is going to be pretty tricky. I think there's a lot of youth players that might be sticking around. So, Seb, I'll come back to you. Oh, you've absolutely put me on the spot here. Um I you sent me these questions I think last night and I thought no I'm not going to prepare any answers for these I think I'm going to freestyle them I think if I go blind on them then I'll be able to answer them more professionally and the first one that comes to my mind is probably Nakamba I think he'll get a lot more time this year whether that's on the ball or on the pitch I think he will be a more vital part of our midfield I think he could be one of the mainstays this year obviously depending on what formation we play and we've been heavily linked to another central midfielder. So whether we see another incoming, I think it will be, I think Nakamba won't suffice from that with Douglas having such a heavy impact on the Olympics and obviously winning gold. Congratulations to him. He will need a slightly longer rest. So if Nakamba can start the season well, then I think he'll make that place his own and I think he will be our surprise performer of the season. Yeah, so I think it's a funny one with Nakamba. I, I almost just don't think the guy has anything left to prove. I think he's one of those players that continually comes in. He's always consistent. and We know that he's a good player. We don't see him make mistakes. And he always, you know, he, he always sort of seems to be the right choice when he, when he, when he jumps in. And so for me, if Nakamba does well, like, it's not going to surprise me. I, I, I mean, I'd, I'd like to, I'd like to see him kind of get a lot more game time. I know people are kind of obsessing over the idea of another sort of like 40 million type defensive midfield signing. I personally, when I think about it, like I tried to put my sort of sporting director hat on and think, well, okay, we've actually got John McGinn, Douglas Louise and Nakamba, who you could basically say are all sort of defensive midfielders. Um, and and so I'm not sure necessarily Villa will get somebody else in. Surprise performer though. I was, this one, this one is a difficult for me because because Bertrand Traore, again, had a very, very good season last year when no one's talking about him. Whenever you see fans sort of put up their like potential lineups for next year, Bertrand Traore is never in the picture. Like never. It's like people have almost forgotten that this guy's got like absolutely silky smooth tricks. Like one of the issues is both him and Leon Bailey have been talked about as being slightly inconsistent, right? If one of them performs at a time, like... Villa will be doing well. I personally think that Bertrand Traore's consistency is going to get a lot better. I think he's probably going to be getting the ball a lot more. Um, I, you know, at times you'd see him play on the right hand side, and it literally looked like we had a left-footed Grealish. I think that uh, teams will have forgotten about him because of all the Buendia talk, because of all the Bailey talk, and for me, it's going to be Bertrand Traore. I think we're going to see him jump in there and get a bunch of goals and assists again, just like he did last year. Because if that was if Bertrand Traore was a was a guy that was playing for say sort of like Arsenal or Chelsea or Manchester United and you looked at those stats, people would be all over him. I think the only problem is Danny, and I'll knock back a question to you: is having played almost none of preseason due to his injury and obviously having surgery. Do you think that that will impact him? Obviously, because he had a positive campaign last year, so having such a big setback and almost having no part to play in pre-season, do you think that could hinder his chances of getting in the squad and then mainly 
maintaining his place in the squad once he does get in? No, like at the moment, you've got Philogene Bidus, haven't you, playing on the right-hand side. Um, I don't think necessarily that Philogene Bidus is going to be able to keep that right-hand side. And I know I know, Leon Bailey's being talked about, and I know El and not just El Ghazi, sorry. I know that Leon Bailey's being talked about, and I know that um, Buendia's being talked about. For me, El Ghazi's going to be the first winger that's kind of going to get dropped after a bad performance. Now, I, I don't want to rain on El Ghazi's parade, because we know that he's we know that he's brilliant and we know that he can score goals, but El Ghazi and inconsistency aren't exactly mutually, um, you know. Uh, they, 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 it happens, right? El Ghazi does have runs of runs of inconsistency, and so when Bertrand Traore comes in, just like he came in last year, just like it took him a little bit of time to settle in, I do think that he'll get going and he and he'll be a very very important player for us because when we're on the ball and when we manage to get some of the ball, Bertrand Traore is one of the few few players we have can actually you know uh, take the ball take the game by the scruff of its neck and actually get us doing something. He seems to be the only sort of creative spark at times. Yeah, massively. Um, let's go on to uh, Simon and Tom's answers. Um, where were they here? They both said Sanson. I think they must have been just copying each other's worksheet or something because literally every answer I have for them almost matches to a certain degree. Um, you know what? I'm going to put some... Uh, this, I don't really know if this is going to even happen and this will be my bold show, but I'm going to say El Ghazi. He proved himself and proved us all wrong last season and had great goal contributions. So you know what? Uh, maybe playing less minutes, maybe kind of having, I don't know if maybe that takes some pressure off, I guess. Um, you never know. We'll, we'll have to see what happens, but that'll be my outside um, shout for that one. And you know what? If it happens, it doesn't or it does. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. Whatever. I don't even know if that made sense, but nonetheless, um, let's go on to uh, player of the season. We'll start going through these a little bit quicker because I know we're running out of time. Um, so, yeah, player of the season, Danny. Uh, I'm going to go with Konza. I think that this is going to be the season where we really see him jump into his own. I know Tyrone Mings is going to be the captain, uh, most likely. Um, and I know that, that that Mingzi is usually the guy that gets the credit. But I think Villa fans, obviously, last year were singing his praises quite a lot. And I, and I can see him really sort of going on and having a great season again. I think the defence is going to be an interesting point because it, there's going to be a lot here talking about sort of Emmy Martinez and clean sheets and, and and all of that, but yeah, we're gonna need we're gonna need someone to step into you know some real leadership, and I think I think well he's gonna be our most important player in that defense. That's quite an interesting one from Danny because I looked at our back four, back five, and I was thinking, is it possible that they could have as such a successful year as they did last year? Can they keep up that momentum? You know, you never really know. It could it could all fade away, and they we have a poor back five this year, but then again, it could kick on and we could go from strength to strength. So I was thinking Tyrone Mings, maybe that captaincy role could push him to another level again. And he could, because if he cuts out the silly mistakes, then he is a potential England starting defender. However, I'm going to go for Matt Target. I think with the wingers we have this year, and the overlapping runs that he'll make with Watkins and Ings in the box this year. I think his crosses will find our attackers much more than they much more than they don't. So I think he could thrive off of assists, because he was another one that I was thinking could be could be top of the assist charts. But if Target could have a successful can form a successful partnership like he did with Grealish, 
whether that be with Brendia or Bailey, Algarzi, Traore, or even Watkins, if he go, gets pushed out to the wing, then I think he could be in for a very successful campaign. Yeah, massively. Um, let's go to Tom and Simon. So Simon's saying Buendia, and Tom is saying uh, Ollie Watkins. I'm going to go for, and I haven't even really thought about this, um, I'm going to go Emi Buendia. I, I think, you know what, let, let's back him a little bit. Um, he comes with some promise, so I'll throw that one in. Um, a lot of the next ones are pretty quick fire ones. So we'll just get to one word answer from you guys on these ones. Um, some of them are maybe a little bit more humorous or frustrating, I guess, depending on how you look at them. Um, so Danny, I'll come to you. Uh, first Villa player to get a red card this season. Uh, it's John McGinn, hundred percent. I could see it happening. <laughs> I will be losing one nil somewhere and, and he'll, you know, he'll be trying his hardest for us to, kind of get back and I, and I can see John McGinn getting getting a red of course um nothing wrong with his tackling he's a, he's, he's a fantastic player but you know he's if we if we can we need his aggression um he's one of those players as well who you can see picking up two yellows easily in the game so yeah John McGinn fair enough Seb how about you Matty Cash for me <laughs> great confidence and I, I feel like I know why but anyways he loves a red card doesn't he? he does absolutely loves a red card Matty Cash he does. Um, let's go to Simon, who says John McGinn, um, and Tom, who says Matty Cash. And I'm actually going to back Seb on this one. I'm going to say Matty Cash. Um, I just feel like the uh, that Tottenham game where Kane kind of dove, in my opinion. <laughs> Sorry if I said that out loud. Um, I might get criticized now from Spurs fans. But anyways, um, yeah, I, I feel like he's a little prone there as much as I love him. Things do happen. Um, let's go to the next one. How many clean sheets? Seb, take it away. How many was it Martinez got last season? Was it? Six, I can't remember. Was it 16? Was it 16? 15. 15, 15. 15 sounds about right. Yeah. I don't think we'll get as many this year. I think it may sound stupid, but with the addition of fans, I think we'll have a lot more goals this year. So I'll go for just shy of the double figures, Mark. I think we'll get nine. Fair enough. Danny, how about you? Yeah, I'm going 10. I, I don't think it means that the defence is worse. I think it just means that like I said, I think I think there was a lot of COVID disruption last year. I think the game was a lot slower without fans and everything. Players taking a lot. I think, um, yeah, I don't know. I think I think less pressure and, and in general, probably taking their time a little bit more. And yeah, I think I think for me it'll be um, it'll be a quicker paced game. I think it'll be a lot more sort of intense. And so in you know with that, I, I don't, I'm not saying Emi Martinez is a, is, a, is any worse a goalkeeper. As I say, I think as well. Hopefully. I'd like to think we're playing on the front foot a lot more this season as well. And, and with that territory does come sort of, yeah, conceding more goals, I suppose. So, yeah, I think I'm going to go with 10. Fair enough. Uh, Simon's going for 16. So uh, he's back in that one. And Tom's going for 11. Um, I'm going to stay positive. I'll go for 13 myself. Um, yeah, I think it's a good tally overall. And it kind of keeps us in that middle ground of, you know what? We still want a few, and that's still something to be happy about. Um, second last question before we wrap things up. Uh, how many times will VAR go against us this season? Good old VAR. Uh, Danny, take it away. I'm going to go with one. They're improving the system a lot. We'll have we'll have our regular sort of... We'll have our regular sort of, yeah, you know, controversial one, but I, I don't think it's going to be as bad this season. I think as well, they're probably just slightly changing rules a little bit to eliminate controversy. So I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with one decision that fully goes against us. Remember, 
it is still subjective. So um, I'm not saying, you know, if, if Villa if Villa do commit a foul and it's a red card and it gets given against us, then obviously, like, you know, um, that's not what I mean. But genuine controversial ones, which, which shouldn't be going our way, I'll go one. Fair enough. Uh, Seb, Sorry, how about you? Sorry. How <laughs> many would you guys said went against us last year? How many on average would you say there was? There was Kane. And then I think there's probably one against United. Away. Three, right? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, the problem is VAR tends to tends to even itself out sort of over the course of the season. Just like just like refereeing decisions even themselves out when it wasn't VAR. So I think it will even itself out again. I'm with Danny. I think there'll be probably two or three. Yeah. As long as it doesn't cost us too many points, then who's to complain? Yeah, fair enough. Um, let's see. Simon's going for five. Um, very ambitious. Uh, Tom's going for the two to three range. Um, you know what? I'll, I'll go with Danny. I'm going to say one. They are getting a little bit better, um, and I'm tired of it screwing us over as much as it has. So uh, good karma has to come its way. How many points will we get this season, or what place will we finish? Uh, Seb, what do you think? I think at the moment we're just shy of Europe quality. Um, I think we'll probably finish just outside about the 8th to 10th range. I think top half, I think, would be a successful season. Obviously, if you lose your best player, you can't expect to just continually bounce back straight away. So I think it will be difficult. But if we can finish top half, then I'll be I'll be satisfied. Points-wise, I think it will take a lot more than it did last year. Obviously, I think less teams will struggle. So... About 55 to 60, I think we'll get around about the same as last year. Maybe, I don't know, maybe maybe, if, maybe a few more. I might have messed that up, but I think, no, I think we'll finish comfortably top half. Yeah, so it's a, it's a weird one for me um, because I think like last year, we obviously had a ridiculous start and then we had a very, very poor finish. Um, so to me, when I look at the 55 points that we got last year, I don't know whether it was an over, whether it was an overscoring or an underscoring almost. Leeds United managed 59 last year. I think so did Everton. I think we want to be looking to break that 60 mark. I think that really would be a big thing. You know, that really would be a big sort of statement. Before that to happen, I, I don't know if we're going to get that immediate burst of results like we did last year. I don't know if we're going to get that. I'd like to think we will. We're going to need to have some consistency. We're not used to it. We're used to Villa sort of getting the one, the win, getting the one win, and then kind of you know fizzling out for a couple of games. And I, I wonder whether we're going to return to that without a Jack Grealish there, without a you know a special special player there. Because the thing and thing is, in a way, Buendia is still a bit of a secret weapon. Bailey's still a bit of a secret weapon. We haven't seen Bailey play for us in preseason. Bertrand Traore has been out injured. You know, we're going to start the season again without, you know, a top, without, you know, our top side or our, or our, or our favourite 11. So, I mean, we'll see. But for me, I want to say 60 and I want to say 8th. I think that's, that's what we need to do. I actually disagree on one thing um, with Seb, which was about the idea that with Grealish going, you know, we, should, we shouldn't expect to kind of, well, the fact that Grealish going, um, is supposed to be sort of a setback and that, you know, it makes a team kind of struggle if their best player goes. I understand that, 
But personally, I think the way that Villa are going about things, the way that Villa are spending money and the way that the CEOs are talking, um, you know, the way that the CEO and, you know, the, the, the people running the club are talking, it's no excuse. It's no excuse. Best player goes, whatever. You you deal with it. It's the way it works in American franchises as well, as Wes Edens would know. If your top player goes, you know, you have a contingency plan. You you try to get something out of them. You trade them for, you know, players that are going to make you better in, in, in general. So for me, um, anything... Anything below eighth, really, I think for me is a failed season because I don't think that's what you're telling. Yes, I don't think that's how you're convincing Bailey to join, Bailey to join the club. And I don't think that's how you're convincing Buendia to join the club. Um, I also don't think it's how you're convincing a, um, you know, Siri Owen and Ashley Young to join the club. Same with Danny Ings as well. He doesn't want it to be like a, a sideways step from Southampton. Let's be honest. Let's be clear. The players that have come to Villa have come here because they believe they have a shot at taking a side into Europe. And that's where they want to be. So for me, anything below eighth is a failure. Yeah, massively. And um, I'll get into my answer at the end and maybe give a little bit more explanation. Uh, But Simon just says seventh. So we're going to assume that's 60 plus. He didn't really give a points total. Um, Tom says uh, 58. So eighth place. That's what he's figuring. Um, I I guess the cop out answer would say anything above 60 would be brilliant. So I'll say 62 just to be safe. Um, so wherever that means, so around seventh or eighth, I think at this point, and I said this kind of near the start of the podcast, I feel like we're in that phase three, um, albeit without Jack Grealish. So maybe people think we're still in phase two. You know what I mean? I, th- I, I think a lot of people are kind of confused where we stand um, which is what I said at the last podcast. I think a lot of people have just looked at this as Jack Grealish FC. Um, and this is the time to prove that wrong. So hopefully that's a motivator for these players and we'll have to wait and see. Um, but like you said, Danny, it's going to be one of those seasons where we need to pick up constant results and be consistent. It's not start the season three, four games on the bounce with wins and then just drop off for a month. It has to be wins consistently every month that has to be drawn consistently here and there and then with the odd loss if we want to progress and get back to those days of potentially challenging for the top four um it has to come back to consistency and whether it's under this management or well this management group with dean smith i guess should say or another one to come in if we don't hit that i think this season really falls on him to be honest um and that management team to push on but uh We'll wrap things up there, Danny, unless you have uh, anything else you wanted to mention. I don't know. Um, do you, do you, I don't want to go into sort of like disappointments or anything. I don't want to go into no. like who's going to be a sort of disappointment of the season or anything like that. I don't go. I don't want to go into that. Okay. Um, oh, Cole, I've got one question for you. For sure. Because I know we're running out of time almost, right? Yeah. Which youngster do you think is really going to break through this year? I know you've been watching a few bits and pieces of preseason. Um, it's tricky because... Well, who's going to stay around, really? Right, we're we're kind of in that sweet spot in the middle of the almost the middle of uh, well, I shouldn't say the middle of August. I guess or like early late uh, to the midst of August. Business picks up now, anyway. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. So yeah, yeah. Don't listen to me. I'm trying to argue with myself what day it is in this month. You can tell how my mindset is right now, but. Yeah, it's it's a tricky one because you're going to look at a lot of championship clubs in League One and League Two looking to get players in to finish off their squads. And you look at Philogene Bidens, you look at uh, Chuck Omeka, are they going to stick around? You'd probably have to say those are the two that will. 
Um, I think it has to be Phil Gene Bida's side. I think it just has to be, to be honest. I, I think he fills a gap that we need. We need more depth and you can't let all the, the youngsters kind of go out on loan because then you're selling yourself short. And once again, there's going to be opportunities for these guys. We have cup matches. I think this season with the squad we have, with the depth we've had, we have now, I think we can make a decent run. Um, I guess one kind of question to you, Danny, before we wrap things up, I know we're short on time, like I've said a million times. Do you think we can make a cup run this season? And if so, which cup? I just, dude, I, I, I'm just so used to us dumping ourselves out of these cups on a frequent. Like we go on long cup runs. We like we've always got one on us. You know, there's always there's always one in there. But like we 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 seem to dump ourselves out of these cups for fun these days. Like yeah. absolutely, absolutely, like we're gonna get knocked out in the second round of one of these things. I don't know. It depends, you know. If we, if 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 our if our guys start coming in and and, and playing sort of, yeah. From you know, if if, if Traore start gets fit quick enough and like Bailey gets fit quick enough and 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 Buendia recovers from this knock, like then yeah, sure. You know, maybe we'll have some guys like. I mean, look, the thing is, these cup runs. These are where guys like Algarzi can fire themselves back into the team. This is where. Um, Gosh, Wesley, if he's still here, can can fire himself, you know, back into the team. But I'm just a bit, I'm a little bit worried. We don't quite have the depth of the motivation to 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 mount a cup run just yet. I think, like, you know, you start looking at sort of Connor Harahan's going to be back in the team potentially as well. Like, you know, how are they going to perform? Yeah, it depends if we if we treat these cup runs with with serious respect or not. Um, which, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Tanzibi, <laughs> Tanzibi and House as a centre-back partnership works a hell of a lot better than Ahmed El Mohamedi did as a centre-back. <laughs> he was our he was our choice of centre-back in cup runs, wasn't he? Like last year. So yeah, I think we've got a slightly better squad. Yeah, sure. Um, if we if we do one, then I'm gonna go with the FA Cup rather than the League Cup because we will have had a little bit of consistency and a little bit more time to get ready for it, and um, a little bit more betting in with the with the team. Okay, and so, simple- FA Cup. In simple yes or no, um, if you guys can't tell, um, Seb had to <laughs> drop off. That's why me and Danny are talking to each other now. Um, That's all right. We're, not, we're not just ignoring Seb. We love Seb. Um, I guess with a simple yes or no, if Villa win a cup and finish, say, 10th, is that success? Is that success, I should say? Yeah, I think so. Is that I progress, I guess? If if we if we win a cup uh, and finish tenth because we started the season off terribly, then yeah, sure. But not if we finish tenth because we finished the season off terribly. Yeah, I think I, is the way for it. Yeah, I, I'd say yes. I think some people kind of correlate them, like you know what I mean, because some people look at Premier League by itself and the FA Cup and then um, the EFL Cup and just kind of look at those as separate, but they all kind of intertwine, I guess, within the squad quality too. But as long as we don't get Man City in the final and lose to them, and we all know why right now, I, uh, I that's the one thing I don't want to face, um, and I don't oh, think dude. many Villa fans could face. <laughs> City have just lost two cup finals in a row. So Yeah, you know. we'll, we'll, we'll take uh, them all. Um, what was I going to say as well? Like, I think my worry is that if you finish 10th, then how do you actually build upon what we've got right now? Because... Then Ings, Bailey, Buendia are going to turn around and be like, "Oh, hang on a second, this isn't the Europe that we." Well, they got they get into Europe, but this isn't sort of like the Champions League pushing team that we promised. You know, you can turn around and go, "Well, yeah, we just need these guys to bed in." We lost Grealish, etc., etc. But then, sort of, how are you convincing more players of the Bailey, 
Buendia standard to join the club because then they can turn around and go, well, you've been mid-table for two years. Yeah. You might as well join Southampton or Brighton or West Ham, you know? Like, that's my worry. Right now, yeah. we're in a weird position where we're like <laughs> literally saying, come to us instead of Arsenal or come to us instead of Tottenham. And that's where we need to sort of maintain ourselves. And the only way to do that really is to be pushing sort of sixth, seventh. Yeah, massively. Um, anyways, guys, before we just go on a rabbit hole here, because I can already feel us going down there when it's just me and Danny. Um, anyways, we'll, we'll wrap it up there. Thank you very much to Sib and to Danny for joining me today. If you want to follow them on Twitter, their links are, of course, in the description of wherever you find your podcast. And of course, um, if you'd be so kind, leave us a positive review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your pods. Um, it's greatly appreciated and it helps people find us a lot easier. Um, yeah. Email the podcast, holtcast at gmail.com. You can tweet the team on Twitter at 7500 to Holt. We'll leave it there. Hopefully you guys enjoyed this. And uh, yeah, we'll be back very soon. There should be a um, opposition preview uh, with a Watford fan out on, I think, Thursday. And then we'll have the uh, post-match thoughts at Watford, hopefully uh, out on the Sunday. So a day earlier. But anyways, guys, uh, keep safe, enjoy it, and don't forget uh, the Villa. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.